When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to this episode of Talking Points. I'm your host, Brian Kelly. And today we've got a very special episode for a lot of different reasons. Number one, we are recording from our new podcast studio at our new headquarters in New York City. And we also are drinking mimosas because today is all about food and beverage. With us, we have Anthony McNeil, the Global Director of Food and Beverage at Singapore Airlines. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Now, normally I would be worried about interviewing a head of food and beverage for an airline because, you know, generally food on airplanes doesn't have a great reputation, but Singapore has a completely different mindset when it comes to food and beverage. How would you describe your outlook on how you approach food at Singapore? So we take a lot of emphasis on popular local favorites. So if we're in Singapore, we're looking for the most authentic dish in the hawker markets. If we're in the US, we're looking for the most unique food and beverage items to the destinations that we fly to or we fly from. A great example is uh, we were just up in Seattle looking at sustainable seafood opportunities that we can tap into for our flights. And then also looking for great organic produce. So we, we took a day trip down to Medford to look for the world's best cheese, which was uh, announced last year with Rogue Creamery. So um, a lot of our competitors aren't as engaged to market, whether it be local, sustainable, but also supporting local communities to bring the best food and beverage opportunities to uh, Singapore Airlines. And let's just talk about your job. So in your purview, you've got in-flight for all classes of service. You've got lounges, you know, the wines. <laughs> like, what don't you do? Uh, well, <laughs> no, we've got uh, we've got lots under our remit, and we always say that if we shake the plane, the only things that fall out would be the pilot and the jet fuel. Everything <laughs> else belongs to in-flight service delivery. So that's everything from toilet paper, newspapers, all the way through to Krug Don Perignon and, and Taranger, which joined us last year. So how does one become the global director of food and beverage at well, an amazing airline like Singapore? You know, like all people, at some point they've got to start somewhere. So I started as a as a dishwasher and kitchen hand at an airport hotel some 32 years ago in Melbourne. And yeah, I worked my way through. So I was still at school, working during the week, working on weekends. And then of course the-, the Did you study culinary management or- Yeah, hospitality studies, yeah. culinary management. And then, you know, through the course of the years, you know, through hotels, restaurants, large catering facilities, and then eventually moved out of Australia to work overseas. Worked all over the all over the world, Sri Lanka, China for several years, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Middle East, Dubai for several years, you know, through a number of hotel organizations, uh, premium hotel organizations, and, uh, and of course, catering institutions that supplied airlines. And then, of course, I was invited to join a large Middle Eastern carrier prior to Singapore Airlines, and I was responsible for their global food and beverage development and also managing the Asia-Pacific catering for that airline. So you started in hotels, big kitchens and set menus and big dining rooms. Mm -hmm. What was the biggest shock when you transitioned to providing meals on a metal or composite tube flying yeah. 40,000 feet in the sky? The space and the height restrictions to pack a meal for in-flight limits, obviously, your opportunity to do overly creative, high appetizers and, and cold meals. But in the same 
focus. It's not much different to a circular plate that goes into a restaurant. You have a certain amount of space you can work with. It comes on a foil kit and the crew help us to move it from the foil onto a plate and or a casserole, depending on which cabin you, you may be in. And there's a lot of science in the air. Our taste buds are dulled. Yeah. Historically, in-flight meals are known to be salty. And (laughs) what are the scientific reasons that go into the food that you serve on board? Yeah, so a lot of what we do is we look at authentically local recipes. So we look at what the chili pastes may be used for a Singaporean dish, the laksa, is the coconut milk the right milk? We're going to make sure the ingredients are right in the first place. The cooking techniques are obviously important. And in Singapore, where we test and develop new dishes, we have a pressurized cabin, which is, I think it's mm. quite, quite widely renowned with Singapore Airlines. Where we go in, we close the doors. It's basically a hyperbaric chamber. We bring the cabin to, to altitude, and then we, we do the test and the cook, and we taste. So where we see opportunities to adjust the recipe from you know, an authentic dish to match an in-flight experience, that's where we do the modifications. Mm. Off the back of that, we need to make sure that you know, we're securing the best produce and of course that, you know, we can deliver it exceptionally well through that in-flight experience. Now, we get a lot of questions about, you know, why does your taste bud change? Why does your flavor mm. experience change? And of course, when you fly, your sinuses dry out and that also impacts your, your taste and your and your flavor profiles. But the new generation of aircraft coming through, the A350s, the A380s, the, the, the 787s and obviously the new 777X, which is coming online, those cabin environments have changed dramatically over time and they're introducing more humidity into the cabin space, they're pressurized at lower altitude and that really allows us to give you a better mm-hmm. dining experience, a better drinking experience through the wine program. You know, as we move forward, you know, the legacy of old aircraft is slowly being, you know, retired so we can continue to focus on great Will you Will you have a different, because you still have some set 777s, mm-hmm. will you have a different menu for a 777 than you will for an an A350 or a 787? All the menus are the same. Yeah. But again, we also offer salt and pepper on our trays and table mm-hmm. layup. So if you feel the need to make the adjustment, you know, you can do it and tailor it to your own desire. What are, what are your absolute no's for an mm-hmm. airline menu? Deep fried foods. Mm-hmm. Generally, just don't cut it because obviously the ovens are a combination of steam and dry heat. Mm-hmm. And of course, deep fried food, it's obviously best coming straight from, a, you know, straight from the cooker for that crunch value you know i think that's probably really it mm-hmm. you know i think if everything else if it's managed well and, and cooked uh, you know with the appropriate uh, uh methods we're in a pretty good place what is actually cooked on a plane versus yeah. pre-cooked and heated okay. is there still cooking that goes on on a plane i mean cooking in a sense you know we don't have pots and pans and, yeah. and open gas flames on, on an aircraft galley but the ovens are certainly designed to cook the meals to the next level so when we do the process of in-flight catering the chefs have to apply basic food process. They have to apply the ARDA guidelines and also local hygiene authority guidelines to cook the proteins to a certain temperature control point. Then they come offline, then they go through blast chilling to be ready to be packed for in-flight. So at that point, that cooking on ground allows for the reheating of that steak, for example, to be cooked medium or mm-hmm. pink to the center. Now, of course, we know when we fly, the crew may have to sit down, there may be turbulence, the ovens might be turned on, and you know, certain elements may impact your, your meal experience. But in general, we get the right balance uh, to get the meal onto your plate you know, in good order so you can enjoy it. Fish on a plane. So I'll get fish on a plane, and I can't believe on Instagram how many people say, that's repulsive. Didn't you see the movie Airplane? Fish should <laughs> never be served on a plane. Why do people hate fish on a plane so much? I don't know. I think it's a perception, perhaps. But, you know, we certainly go out of a way to make sure we've got 
the right fish for in-flight, fish which is juicy, you know, retains its moisture content, so it might be cod or so on. But if you go back and you look at a, at a New York local, Anthony Bourdain said years ago in his book, uh, Kitchen Reservations, you should never eat fish on a Monday mm. after the weekend. So, you know, it, it, I think it's a little bit of a play. I think in today's society, the fish is fresh. It's best in its peak condition when we get it for in-flight. Uh, we certainly treat it with the respect that it deserves. And, of course, you know, the crew deliver it exceptionally well. So um, I don't know the commentary. <laughs> Maybe you <laughs> no. can forward them to me. I can have a look. <laughs> well, it's probably from experiences not on Singapore Airlines, if I had to guess. As a high-level trend, are you crafting more vegan options on mm-hmm. traditional menus? Or is that still a... Uh, you know, a special meals request that people should put in? I mean, certainly vegan is part of the special meal programming. And a lot of our work that we do now with our international culinary panel chefs, Canyon Ranch is our wellness partner here in the US. We certainly give guidance to the chefs about how we see food trends moving into the marketplace. By doing so, we can tap into their local scene as well and really understand whether it be vegan or whether it be nut-free or so on, how we can leverage that for in-flight. So I think as we move along, Deliciously Wholesome is one of our programs, which also has a number of vegan options, but it's a constant evolution Mm -hmm. of movement. So where we see trends going, we'll certainly move towards that, but also we need to be respectful of other Mm -hmm. passengers' experiences as well. You know, another frustration people have in flight is when you want to order the steak and they run out. Mm-hmm. So Singapore has for a very long time had Book the Cook so you can do it in advance. But putting aside Book the Cook for a second, how much do you use math in determining how much food to load on a plane? Yeah, where it's incredibly complex depending on the sectors that we work with, the demographic and the, and the passenger profile per destination we fly. And we use a lot of customer insight and customer engagement data to determine those loading programs. So we have a set ratio of meals in structure. And of course, where we know the Singapore Luxor is the most popular, we may fly a higher percentage of that. And where steak is perhaps not so popular, yeah. as an example, in an Indian sector, we would load less steak. So of course, at some point, you may be disappointed that we can't give you the, the, the meal of your choice, but you know we certainly try to endeavor to make sure that the loading is right. If we see uh, you know an increase over a peak of travel, holiday seasons, for example, we may load more of one and, and reduce mm-hmm. one of another. But it's a constantly evolving pattern. Mm-hmm. So crew also give us feedback on customer preferences and where we need to adjust accordingly, we'll do so. Most people fly in premium economy, which mm-hmm. Singapore has a dedicated cabin and economy. What can a customer who flies Singapore premium economy mm-hmm. expect? It's certainly at the same level of the premium cabins. And we don't put any less emphasis on economy and premium economy. They get the same treatment, the same workshopping, the same recipe development, the same tasting profiling through the pressurized cabins in Singapore and so on. The recipe, Singapore chicken rice, which is famous, you can get that in all the cabins. It's exactly the same recipe. Mm. It's just... The plating is slightly different in first class versus economy. You'll still get the chicken rice, you'll still get the poached chicken, you'll get the vegetables. It just comes rectangular casserole. It's heated exactly the same amount of time, but the flavor profile is exactly the same as you would get at the front end of the bus. I'm not flying business class anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And premium economy is exactly the same. And in a premium economy, you have an additional choice on Mm -hmm. the main course in that particular cabin. It's no different to any of the other cabins. We just put the same emphasis on all the mini development mm-hmm. so that everybody has a consistent experience regardless of the cabin space mm-hmm. that, they're, that they're in. Where there definitely is a divide in quality is in wine mm-hmm. and, and beverages. So let's switch to the 
to the boozy side of flying, because Singapore is one of the airlines that does still have a first-class cabin versus business class. How much different is the wine okay. between those two cabins? The easiest way to define it is that when we do our wine week, all of our wines are ranked on the Parker rating system. So 92 and above is considered a gold medal. Everything that is gold medal gets awarded to first class cabin. Hmm. Business class is 85 up to 92. So everything within that range is dedicated to business class. Interesting. I did not know yeah. that it was so and mathematical. We have three fabulous wine consultants that work with us. Twice a year, we invite them down to Singapore where we have wine tenders. The wine tenders, we taste 450 to 500 bottles of wine, not 500 bottles per category, but for all the categories first where, where do i apply to intern well <laughs> you can come down you can help us wrap the bottles <laughs> but there may be some opportunities where there's an exceptional first class wine but it mm-hmm. maybe just drops out of the scoring system we may feature it as a special event or a launch sector in business class as we did with the newark opportunity at the same time the champagnes that we select you know we have a champagne mm-hmm. in premium economy as well um, that's also a business class ranked champagne but maybe the label is not as well known. And, you know, we want to be able to bring that champagne into in-flight mm-hmm. so that we can give an opportunity for it to be seen and, uh, and tasted as well. So that's pretty much how we rank, mm-hmm. you know, the wines per cabin. But we also have our wine sommeliers, our air soms, which fly on board. So we have about 120 air sommeliers. They're available all the way through all the cabins. So, you know, they have their little badge with the grapes on it you know, pull them up and have a chat because they're also willing to engage about the wine program, not only through the wine consultants, but things that fly on board. So you guys will stock whatever's on the menu, but then you'll have secret vintages on planes because Singapore super frequent flyers always tell me, well, did you ask for this vintage? Is this still in play or like what's the strategy? Is it surprise and delight? I mean, we always want to surprise and delight on Singapore Airlines and the key is really to make the experience beyond your own expectations. Where we may have some end-of-vintage runs, we may provide them for in-flight on certain sectors. So you may get 2006 Cosest Tonnel, or you may get a 2009 Dom Perignon, which has just been introduced. And for the crew that are on board, if they know they're there and they know that you're a particular wine guru or you like a certain glass of champagne, um, they may present. But, you know, you need to have that engagement as well with yeah. the crew to let them know. So that's a good takeaway. Engage yeah. with your crew, especially when in business or first class. Absolutely. Now, I, I have a not a bone to pick with you, but in general, what is the rules? Because flying first class in certain countries, they either won't serve champagne on the ground, mm-hmm. they'll open some cheaper stuff. Is it really due to regulations or taxes? Yeah. What's going on there? I mean, certain countries, if you're pouring beverage on ground, you may need to have a local liquor license. Mm-hmm. There's also countries that won't allow you to open a bar on the ground until you've entered the sky for in-flight. So that also creates for us workarounds. So that's through specialised beverages, cocktails, rather mocktails. We just need to adhere to the rules per destination that we depart from. And I think that would be uh, not unique to any other airline that runs from the same cities or destinations. So part of flying the Singapore First experience, and it's music to my ears every time, Mr. Kelly, (laughs) would you like Dom? Or Krug. And I see like just <laughs> angel say, lights coming from above. And then I go through in my head and I have to, because th- I like both. Yeah. Which is more popular in general, can you say? Well, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> if I say dumb, I'm going to upset the, the Krug yeah, drinkers. The Krug, and yeah. if I say Krug, I'm going to yeah. upset the dumb drinkers. I think really there's equal, equal yeah. share. And we see the global demand for champagne increasing. And of course, as an airline that flies lots of premium champagne, 
we see those opportunities becoming reduced to market. So we need to be able to secure our supply. And even with Tatanger, which we launched uh, Tatanger Comptes last mm. year, that's also become very popular yeah. for in-flight. It also depends on what you're eating. Yeah, like I like true. Krug sometimes with some things. but I mean, look, if I'm on the ground, I'll drink Krug. Yeah. I think there's the right place and time for Krug. And Dom Perignon, for in-flight, I find it much mm-hmm. easier to drink. It's you know a little bit softer. The gas is a little bit more palatable. Sometimes uh, the champagnes can be quite aggressive with their gas uh, and the bubbles and the effervescence. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, it yeah. comes down to personal preference, yeah. and I will never take that away from you. <laughs> one of my one of my other personal preferences is caviar always. Yeah. And I do remember there was one flight from Frankfurt to mm-hmm. New York where there wasn't caviar. Yeah. What is your take on caviar? Is it really just the travel maximizers like myself that just love to get as much value from my points as possible? <laughs> is caviar still really popular? Is that caviar is just as popular as it was probably ten years ago as it is today? I'm also happy to, I mean, I can think I can share this with you that, you know, moving forward in the first few months of this year, we started to introduce caviar on all first class sectors mm. all over the world, regardless of the flight time. So, sorry, flight overnight, mm-hmm. some flights may not have caviar. All of those sectors where we offer caviar currently mm. uh, will be there. And uh, we're looking forward to bringing that online. I've only flown the new suites once, and it was from Sydney to Singapore. And my biggest complaint was that flight wasn't long enough. So, <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Let's talk about sustainability. I know with the uh, Newark to Singapore flight, part of new partnership is with Aero Farms, which is this new trend in urban farming, Mm -hmm. vertical farming. Zach Wichter of TPG has been to it. It seems pretty cool. Like, is this the future of in-flight sustainability? It's part of the future of in-flight sustainability. I think it's also part of everyone's everyday Mm -hmm. living sustainability, just given that farmland is becoming more and more difficult to source. Aerofarm's partnership probably started two years ago in the initial discussions and really came to fruition last year when we when we launched Newark. That part of the business allows us to work within local communities and understand what we can source grown as close to the aeroplane as possible. So when we talk about farm to table, Singapore Airlines have a similar program called Farm to Plane. Aero Farms is about five miles from the catering unit. Mm-hmm. And of course, catering unit is then you know, a mile to mm-hmm. the gate, to the airside pass, to load the aircraft. Aero Farms is not just a trend. It's certainly something which is being positioned much wider, much larger. Mm-hmm. So we've had Aero Farms down to Singapore, talking to the government. We've had Aero Farms you know, look at other opportunities around the world where we think they could work for us, but also for their own opportunity. Aerofarms, for those who've been down to the facility and seen it, you know, this vertical warehouse with racks and, you know, leafy greens growing and actually having been to the facility and walking in, you have to robe up like you're going into surgery, Mm. glasses and gloves, and all of a sudden you step into this thing, it's like, wow, Star Trek next level. It's really 
beyond anything you can imagine. Um, and because they're so well-defined in their process and so measured and tested, and they've tested and grown some 350-odd variants of, of leaf vegetables, I mean, the future is very, very bright, not only for Singapore Airlines, I think, but also for our catering partners that they can, can also tap into this opportunity. And I think not only Singapore Airlines, but I think you know there's a number of other carriers that need to look at opportunities mm -hmm. along these lines as well to really bring the freshest ingredients to market uh, for the best in-flight dining experiences. How is Singapore being more sustainable in flight with food waste, plastics? Singapore Airlines certainly have been on a long journey to reduce single-use plastics wherever we can. But it's not only, I think, airline-driven. It needs to be a partnership between the supply chain and also the end user. Where we can, we've reduced single-use plastics. You know, we still use stainless steel cutlery, so it's far more. That's far more environmentally friendly than mm -hmm. than plastics, for example. Most of our equipment is uh, what we call rotable, so you know, it gets put on board, it comes off the flight, it gets washed and cleaned appropriately, and then and then uh, re-injected for service. But also in terms of uh, book the cook, so book the cook really gives you the opportunity to pre-order your meals as late as 24 hours prior to departure for your flight. Some people ordering several months out because they get excited because they're flying on Singapore Airlines. But that ability allows us to load a meal which is specific to you and your experience. It means we don't have to load an extra meal just to cover the what if. And then also that service is available first business class mm -hmm. and premium economy. What happens to the extra meals on a plane? Uh -huh. Do Are flight attendants allowed to have them yeah. or yeah. are there not really that many extra after meal service is done? Very few meals will remain because mm -hmm. we, we load you know, to the, to the capacity of the flight. So if it's 100 seats, we load 100 meals. Of course, we allow that maybe someone will sleep through the experience mm -hmm. but uh, the wastage component for meals for example uh, are quite low but when we're at uh, destination and we go and we do a catering review uh, of our or we may do an audit of the suppliers we're also looking at the inbound result of the meal so we're looking at the loading patterns we're looking at what's left in the catering carts when the aircraft's being uh, offloaded and that also determines, as we spoke earlier, about the ratios of loading for in-flight. So if we see an excess, then we make the adjustment accordingly. But very rarely we'll see a lot of uh, excess. Do the flight attendants get to book their cook? Like, do they? How does it work with flight attendants? I've actually never really thought about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the crew um, are supplied, you know, obviously mm -hmm. a set of meals, and those meals are based on the the route menus which are flying. So if there's chicken rice on board the yeah. aircraft, we'll load, you know, some additional chicken rice for the crew and so on. You know, we make sure we cover all the bases for for all our passengers, uh, internal and external. With first-class food, how do you make it look so good? Is there specific training for mm -hmm. flight crew on plating, or does a lot come pre-plated? Yeah. What's the strategy there? So Singapore Airlines spend a lot of time. We have a fabulous uh, crew training facility, and we have mock-up aircraft inside the facility. And, you know, we walk through, all of our crew go through a basic uh, food and beverage training. But each year they have to recertify in their food and beverage opportunities. And as they progress and as they move forward into business class and then first class through seniority, they then have to go through specific requirements for those cabin plating guidelines and also beverage service guidelines. We have plating guidelines. It's similar to, I suppose, like a restaurant book with photos on it and it has basic steps. And what that allows the crew to do is to deliver the meal as it was designed to be on ground and obviously replicated in flight for passenger experience. So you teamed up Canyon Ranch for the food and wellness on mm -hmm. flight. They're not a caterer by any no, means. That seems like an, it's an interesting partnership. Mm -hmm. So do they actually source the food? Is that just a stamp on the item, or how involved are they in the 
yeah. in so, these ultra-long haul flights. So we give guidance to Canyon Ranch and how we see the meal structure coming forward. So from the first mini development that we did with them just prior to launch, it was more or less the best sellers of Canyon Ranch in their resorts that people like to eat and obviously some value behind those ingredients introduced. And as we moved along, we got you know feedback from our passengers and we got feedback from crew to say, these items work really well and the items which were not so interesting were perhaps the desserts. People obviously still want to have some indulgence when they fly, but the desserts were perhaps a little bit on the light side, so to speak. We went back for a second round of opportunity early last year. The desserts became much richer, much more decadent, but still, you know, very healthy. And Canyon Ranch will give guidance on supplies where, where we see we can lean into them for in-flight. Uh, but really it's focusing on this cooking techniques, the values through the nutritional factors. So we work with their nutritionists. They give us salt value, fat value, carbohydrates, and those sort of things, which really lend to the menu program. And that's an education for passengers. So when they sit down, they understand the next step mm-hmm. of their journey. So Singapore recently regained the title for world's longest flight mm-hmm. on Newark to Singapore. Several TPG writers have reviewed and really enjoyed the experience. I actually flew it right before it went out of service uh, on the A340. Mm-hmm. How much different is catering and food on a 19-plus-hour flight than it is on a 10-hour flight? So we need to look at flight. We need to look at crew experience. So we need to take, obviously, crew rest strategies into play and then also the customer experience. And we spoke to the passengers from the original ultra-long flight. Um, we spoke to new passengers that have used other carriers for ultra-long, really to gain some insight and in how to tailor-make the program. We find on those flights people like to have much more comfort food. So you see a much wider variety of mid-flight snack options. Mm-hmm. So soupy noodles, the wonton soups, the noodle soups that we have, the sandwiches, and even right through to the snack baskets where they're a lot more tailored and a lot more specific. So lots more fruit, lots more nuts, and things which really sustain you a lot longer rather than just sort of satisfying you in the short term. The programming of the meals, Canyon Ranch works very well for Mm -hmm. us because they're using as much as possible organic or farm source produce, which has minimal influence in terms of antibiotics and so on. But they also use ingredients which are wellness ingredients. So things like turmeric, which are Mm anti-inflammatory, you know, citrus and honey, which are well, you know, good for rehydration. Those elements of that program also work very well into the ultra long flight. So we want people to feel comfortable. We don't want people to feel bloated and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, like they haven't had a great experience in in flight. And of course, the ability to eat well, of course, you can always indulge with, Mm -hmm. you know, the good stuff. (laughs) But, uh, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for you to have a sustained flight as well. I have to ask, so in the Singapore lounges, especially first-class lounges, like you can eat in the lounge before you get on the plane. I find myself doing that, and then I eat again again (laughs) on the plane. Is this normal? Because there's something special about eating a meal on a plane, especially if you're in a premium cabin. Absolutely. Something nice about getting a full meal on the ground. Is it gauche to do both? I mean, if it floats your boat, why not, right? (laughs) (laughs) But what do you recommend, like jet (laughs) lag-wise— Eating is important and getting on a schedule. Yeah. Like, how do you recommend yeah. people before a ultra long haul flight to plan their eating? Look, people that travel regularly, and you and myself, we both travel regularly. If you had the opportunity to eat on the ground, most people do so because they know that they can get on board the aircraft and rest mm-hmm. and, and sleep and maximize their journey in that regard. And there are people who are just genuine foodies, you know, and they want to have every opportunity to experience every step of their journey. So, they go to a lounge in Singapore, they have the luxe, then they get on board the aircraft and they have booked the cook steak, mm-hmm. for example, and then, you know, they want to have the Canyon Ranch dessert. So 
really, I think it's okay. Yeah. You know, as long as you feel comfortable at the end yeah. of the program. <laughs> and is the most is the most successful book the cook item lobster thermidor because that's always what I end up yeah. getting. The, look, the lobster thermidor is about uh, we do about thirty five hundred portions out of Singapore every month. In general, Book the Cook last year was about uh, 155,000 portions, you know, of lobster thermidor for the whole year, mm-hmm. and then of course we have our global partners where they yeah. supply inbound. So it's one of those dishes which is a classic; it will always remain. We may modify the garnishes, mm-hmm. the vegetables within season. Um, we may upgrade the, mm-hmm. you know, the the plate, for example, to give you a bit more visibility and dining experience, but. Overall, it's going to stay for as long as uh, as long as I'm with the airline. I'm sure as as long as we fly. Considering you travel the world in search of the f- best food and wine, I've got to just get your practical travel tips for our listeners, who many of whom are foodies and yeah. winos. <laughs> Let's start with Singapore. You mentioned you know you get inspiration for in flight from the hawker stalls. Yeah. For a first time visitor to Singapore mm-hmm. who wants to do the hawker scene. What are the musts? The Chinese hawker center in downtown, clay pot chicken rice. Mm -hmm. Definitely you need to book in advance. The clay pot's cooked over charcoal fire. It's not over gas. It's like a Chinese version of a paella. So you get this beautiful crust of rice on the bottom. You've got chicken and Chinese sausage, and then it's all closed up on top, and then it cooks for about 30, 40 Mm -hmm. minutes. Um, And then when you come, they come and scrape all the the pot all the way through. So you get this wonderful texture of soft rice and then the crunchiness of of the roasted rice at the bottom of the pan. sounds amazing. Absolutely (laughs) delicious. Of course, you can't go past the satay. And anywhere in Singapore, you'll find a great satay experience. For those of you like crab, East Coast, not far from my home, the famous Singapore chili crab. And then just around the corner from me, I have a fabulous store that does Singapore laksa. Slightly spicy for those that like the adventurous side, but uh, certainly well worth a visit. And that's, uh, that's in Katong in, uh, in Singapore. Yeah, come on down. Huge thanks to Anthony McNeil, the Global Director of Food and Beverage at Singapore Airlines, and our dear friend James Boyd in communications at Singapore Airlines. That is it for this episode of Talking Points. I don't know about you, but I am extremely hungry right now for some chicken rice. Safe travels, everyone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.